This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Let the redeemed of the Lord say as much. For the Lord is good, and His mercy does endure forever. Again, we set out in this to... Very simple, very simple, uh, but somehow in this world we miss it. God is a redeeming God. That is who He is. And in the midst of this teaching, I want to make sure that you understand that we're trying to get across to you that God has an enduring attitude about you. When we look at these biblical examples that we have looked at and are in the midst of looking at, I want to make sure you see you and where you stand in the eyes and in the mind of God, who is a redeeming God. And I cannot emphasize this enough to you. Uh, First of all, we we started by talking about, he tells Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see. He cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. My first message to every churchgoer that's out there, be born again. Settle that first. I don't care about what auxiliaries. I don't care about what missions. I don't care about what money you give. You miss the mark if you are not born again. But in this born again opportunity, we talked about the day that God has made. Talked about the opportunity, the door he has opened. And I don't, I don't have time to get into it, but it's as if, <sighs> Hebrew says it this way. God who at sundry times and in diverse manner spake in times past unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. When you read the Old Testament, it seems that there are certain people who get this, certain people who get that. And, and, and you look at the great man and the great woman of the Bible, and it's like God has rolled it all up in one and put into the born-again experience so that you can have everything that they had. That's why Hebrew says, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And in this born-again experience, God will... Here's why you want to be born again. You want God to be your guide. Because good times will come, good times will leave. Bad times will arrive. And at those times it will seem as though there is no way out. But when God is your God, one person understood it this way and put it in the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And get this, he restoreth my soul. See, one of those things that comes with the born again experience is redemption. And, and truly, you look it up in the dictionary, and the dictionary will tell you, hey, it means to pay, to secure the release of, and that is true. But in the hands of God, here's what I want to get over to you. Here's what I've been trying to get over to you. It's more than just the payment. It's the attitude behind the payment. Remember, the only reason we can talk about this It's because he's a loving God. His love is greater than your mother's. His love is greater than your father. 
His love is greater than your grandparents. His love is like none other. That's why it came to my mind in Psalms 136 when he says, He remembered us in our lowest state. When no one else cared about us, He had us in mind. That's why the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. Ought to say as much. For the Lord is a merciful God. See, He restores my soul. Hallelujah. And then He... It says he leads me in the path of righteousness. See, I'm being guided. And he does it not because I'm great, but he does it for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because thou art with me. Here you are, you sit here and and you may have been going to church, you may have been associated with the church, you may have no association with the church whatsoever, but it seems as though people right next to you are experiencing the same things you are and you're so devastated but they just keep flowing. They just keep moving. It's not because they don't have issues, not because they don't have disappointments, not because the world doesn't slap them around like it slaps everybody else around, but when you are being guided by God, because remember, in this born-again experience, is also justification. Again, I, I, I love this. I really do. When I have been cleared by the judge, all fear is gone. But God wants to be that God to you. We found out, for he so loved the world. And we found out who the world was. There is nothing that you have done that is so despicable, that is so despised, that God has not had a care about you. He does. And so he wants you. Here's the thing. Here's how we said it. In the hands of God, redemption is God restoring man to the place he originally intended. That's why we call man lost when he's out of position, when he's out of place. This is what leads men to try to find themselves and find their purpose because they have not been ushered or guided by God. And once you've been touched by the master, all the searching is over. All the searching is gone. So we need to get right into this. Turn to the book of John, the gospel according to John, chapter 8. And as we've gone through these biblical examples, I want you to see yourself and where you stand. Okay, We looked at Zacchaeus before. And Zacchaeus, remember, when we looked at Zacchaeus, he was a publican. And the publican was as good as a heathen. I mean, he was the one talked about. He was the one despised. He was the picture of despicable. But Jesus saw him. Amen. here's, Here's the idea, right? Again, Jesus... It's not the outside he sees. He sees what's going on on the inside. They enter into this born-again experience. This is what Jesus said. When we looked at this, or we talked about it in John chapter 6, when people asked him, what works can we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, believe. And I want you to understand this. Believing is not a work. (laughs) Believing is no work at all. This is why you need to understand it is God's desire to put you in right position with him. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he saw that his heart was open to receive what God had for him. 
And so as despicable as your actions may have been, if your heart turned towards God, He'll be your guide. He'll justify you. He'll clear you of all charges. He'll cleanse you. He'll wash you. He'll make you whole. (laughs) He'll restore you to where He originally intended for you to be. But that was Zacchaeus. And I like this because so many times we who have been redeemed forget where we've been, what we've been redeemed from. Sometimes we're like the press and they all who murmured at Zacchaeus, thinking that we're so good, how dare some heathen come in and crash our party. But we found this out about redemption. Redemption is of God. So God's standard and not on man. Man will always try to shrink the box. God loves the world. (laughs) And then man in his effort will try to do something that's good. And this is why it's so good that God does it by believing and not by works. Because my works may not match up to your works. Here's the thing about believing. I can believe on the last day. Glory to God. That's wonderful. That's marvelous. I'm telling you, his love is greater than your grandmama's love. How is it I can live a despicable life and on that last day turn with my heart? And he won't say, after all the things you've done, no, 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 no. Because he's a redeeming God. He wants you in right position with him. It's his desire. He doesn't leave it up to man. And here's what he did to make sure that he doesn't turn you down. So he placed his word above his name so he won't turn away from it. So you can be secure in this. He sent his son And here's the thing about it. The price has been paid. Do you hear me? The price has been paid. This is why all those who come to him with a contrite heart, broken spirit, he will in no wise cast out. He can't turn them away because the price has been paid. Jesus now is at the right hand of the Father saying as much, the price has been paid. For every Zacchaeus that wants to enter in today who has been the heathen, who has lived the life of the heathen. Christ is there right now saying, my blood has been shed. Redemption. The ransom has been paid. This is why you have to understand part of what we said it means to be born again is to understand that God is good. Which means your evil cannot measure His goodness. Wow, what a God. And here's the thing about it. You, you could curse him out, but he still keeps coming after you. Now, that's love. It's an amazing thing to me that Christ died knowing that not everyone would receive it, but he still died for their sin. That they might be reconciled, as we found out, to the Father. What a lovely word, reconciled. <laughs> Reconcile means whatever had torn us apart is now no no longer an issue. We can get along together as if there was never a rift. That's our redeeming God. And so we're in John chapter 8. We're we're looking at this woman taken in the very act of adultery. I don't want time to escape us. We're going to finish this tonight because I got to. I'm telling you, the goodness of God, I could spend all year on it. 
<laughs> you can't exhaust it. I'm telling you, you cannot try. <laughs> Just try it. You cannot exhaust the goodness of God. Wow, when you think you... Here's the thing about it. Jesus said... Well, I, I won't even go into that because I'll... I'll here's the thing about it. When you find out that much more, then, then God go show, is going to show you that much more. And, and then you're going to get to this point. Who can measure the manifold goodness of our God? Because just when you think you got it figured out, you say, yeah, but, but you haven't seen this yet. Then you understand when, when Moses says, show me your glory. God's like, you can't handle this. <laughs> you can't handle this. What I'll do is I'll cut you out of place and you can get a whip of my cologne. And that will give you five books of the Bible. But you can't handle all this goodness. <laughs> oh, John chapter 8. We've got to come to a close on this. So, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again unto the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman, taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So, so here's, here's what they are. They're saying, hey, there's no question. There's no debate. We don't need a trial. She was caught in the act. Alright? So, so, so there's, there's none of this, oh, did she really? Or was it somebody else? Do you have, no, no, she was caught in the very act. She's guilty. So they bring before him this guilty woman. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, when we looked at this, we looked at the scribes and the Pharisees. I gave you a little bit about the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and remember, the scribes are, uh, the Pharisees are influencers of that day. The society is built around their religion, their God-given religion. And the Pharisees are the dominant, if, if you will, so that we can put it on on something that we might understand they're the dominant denomination of that time. Uh, but the scribes, the scribes are those teachers who are always in the background. The scribes had always been around. The Pharisees were Johnny-come-lately, but the scribes had been around from times of old. Even in the Old Testament, you'll find the scribes, and they have always been teachers. And they've been teachers of the law. And so this is why I tell you, behind every Pharisee, there's some scribe. Behind every Sadducee, there's some scribe. Behind every priest, there's some scribes. Scribes were necessary. Because they're the ones who understood the language. They understood, they, they understood the interpretation. They knew how to write. They knew how to, to read. They had all this together. So they were the teachers. Now, I want you to keep your ribbon there. But So we got the scribes and the Pharisees coming to Jesus. Here they are. They're standing, accusing this woman. Look at this in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 20. Matthew 5 and 20, Jesus says, this is the Sermon on the Mount, he says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So as you can imagine, Jesus is not on their Christmas list. He's not getting cards from them. <laughs> I'm sure they got some words for them, but they're not so nice to be put into a card. And, and, and the thing about this, this is, this is so rough. 
But it's so true, because Jesus speaks it. He says, hey, your righteousness has to exceed that righteousness. And, and here's the thing about it. You have to read what goes on before, because he identifies why he brings them up. Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about teachers. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they're teachers. Then he tells them, okay, so here are the teachers, but your righteousness has to be better than your teachers. So again, they're not on his... He's on their naughty list. How about that? And then Matthew 23. Now it's interesting. John doesn't give scribes any play, except here in John chapter 8. He's <laughs> like, they're not even worth the ink. Matthew chapter 23. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So these are your teachers now. These are the ones you're supposed to listen to now. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. So here, I'm just want, I want to let you know who the accusers are. Now, now the thing about the accusers are they ought to know the word. They ought to know the law. See, because when they see the law, they ought to see Jesus coming. They ought to see the redeeming God. They ought to see the heart of God. So if anyone should understand the law, they should definitely understand the law. But I, just, I told you, I, I wanted you to understand, these are probably more on, on the lines of academia, more scholarly type people as far as the, the law goes. But they know the law. So back to John chapter 8. So here we have it. The scribes and the Pharisees, they brought him to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, put her in the middle of everything, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Remember, here's, here, he is not on their good list. They want to take Jesus down. And so, what's the best way to take Jesus down? I, I, I guarantee you, they, they thought long and hard about how to do this. So we're going to catch this man. Because <laughs> in their mind, that's all who he really was. He must just be a man. Right? Even though Nicodemus told on him already. We know you must come from God. <laughs> we know it. And so here they are, they're thinking, well, if you talk bad about Moses, ooh, boy, you're in trouble in this society. So if he goes against the law of Moses, we have something against him. But then at the same time, he's always been this merciful guy. Always been on the side of the people. Going to eat with publicans. Going to Zacchaeus' house. You know, spending time with sinners. So he seems like he's on their side. So let's bring a sinner who has violated Moses' law. And let's see if he picks the sinner, he, he comes against Moses. And if he picks Moses, he comes against the sinner. Oh, they think they got him. And so I can imagine what's going on in their mind. First of all, they're a little perturbed because in verse 6, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now that's cold. Now first they're a little perturbed, like, come on, now you heard us. Don't you ignore us. At the same time, they're also thinking, oh, yeah, we got him now. Boy, I can, I can just imagine them. You know how we talk smack when we think we got somebody right where we want them. 
Now we're on the offensive, they're on the defensive. They're about to give up and throw in the white flag. It's time to talk. Didn't I tell you? <laughs> Mama said there'd be days like this, didn't she? You know, you, you start talking some mess. So they think they got him quiet because they got him in a no-win situation. And he's got to think of something real clever. But I'm telling you, ooh, what a savior. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful representative. Because remember, God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. <laughs> so he's on a mission. And trust me, he came from above. They come from beneath. <laughs> and when you want to play games with God, with the law, that they think they know, they know academically, but he's going he's to complete their education. He's going to complete their education. So you, oh, you think you know. It's like, and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, Jesus, like, you're not ready for this. You're not ready for this. I talked to, talked to Nicodemus, and he came by night, and he, he wasn't able to handle this stuff. You know you can't handle this. So, so there they are. They bring her. She's guilty. All right, now we have to have something to accuse you. Because again, remember, if they have the law, we looked at the law. law the law says the adulterer and the adulteress should be put to death. And I'll say that this is Wednesday night Bible study, so I'll, I'll put this out here. You know, I find it funny. I find it funny. Uh, when you go and you read behind people and they're, they're like, well, it doesn't say stone them for adultery. You know, what was their death penalty? <laughs> stone it. Okay, so, so don't get caught up. See, this is when we get legal. And see, but, but God, you can't play a legal game with God. All right, so, so they said Moses and the law commanded to stone her. So if they had the law and they had the justification behind the law, why bother Jesus? It was, it was just to, to get him. Oh, but Jesus knew what was coming. Six again. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, oh, here it comes. I'm telling you, this is something else. This is, them, this is him completing their education. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Do you get this picture? Do you get this picture? <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus is cold-blooded, isn't he? That's a cool brother. <laughs> like, okay, if you're going to keep talking, he, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. To me, this is a drop-the-mic moment. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Jesus makes one statement and he gets everything in order. He makes one statement. See, this, is, this gets me. This is tremendous to me because there's no miracle here. <laughs> there's no miracle here. And it's not a long message. Oh, but he set things straight. This is where Jesus had them. Jesus speaks based on the truth of the law. They speak based on the academic knowledge of the law. So he, by the truth of the law, says, I'm going to teach you something. If you're without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. See, here's the revelation. Jesus knew the purpose of the law. The accusers now get a revelation. 
based on his one statement. And actually, it's a directive, based on one directive. Okay? You who are without sin, cast the first stone. Get to it. And here's what I love about it. Because here's what he does. He takes the focus off of adultery and puts it on the whole of the law. <laughs> I know, did you hear that? Wow, I'm telling you, he's teaching now. He is teaching. You want to bring this woman in adultery, but if you don't have any sin, well, then you can cast the first stone. You know, we'll see them departing, and a lot of people want to say, well, uh, they probably committed adultery. What if they didn't? <laughs> he didn't say those who are guilty of adultery. You can't cast a stone. He said, if you're free of sin, you can cast a stone. Look, they had the legal right under the legal, the legal system. Under the legal system, they had the legal right to stone her. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Stay with me. I love it. If y'all don't know me, I, I love foundational principles. And this is the doctrinal teaching that Jesus does with one statement. So they have the legal right by their legal system to stone her because by the law is the knowledge of sin. They have the legal right but they lack the righteous standing. Why? Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. <laughs> Keep your ribbon there. John chapter 8. Look at this in Romans chapter 3. They had the legal right under the legal system, but they lacked the righteous standing. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23. Verse 4. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is amazing to me. This is so amazing to me. Here they are. They know the law. They know what rights they have legally by the law. But they miss the whole point of the law. Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. And when you look at the law, here's what you see. I have sinned. Now here's the thing about it. <laughs> when you see it, you see your sin. But all have sinned. And so when he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, who then is qualified? That's why you can't laugh at these scribes and Pharisees, because we're all dropouts. Who's qualified? 
Oh my goodness, do, do you hear this? Jesus is teaching them the law disqualifies you all. Only the Lord, turn back to John chapter 8, only the Lord can rightfully cast a stone. Only He can. Now they missed it all together because they don't recognize Him as Lord. But He knew among that group, there was only one qualified. And He was the one qualified. And none of them were. No, no, you don't understand. See, when you sin, you sin against God. So he has not only the legal right, he has the righteous standing to hold you responsible and to make you pay. Glory to God. So here, Jesus identifies the purpose of the law. Back to Romans. I'm sorry, y'all. You know, I love Romans. <laughs> I really do. There's a lot in it. Romans chapter 3. Oh, this is, this is just so on point. I'm telling you, Jesus is doing a doctrinal teaching here. He's, he's holding ministry class for the scribes and the Pharisees. Romans 3.19. Now we know that what, the, what things soever the law saith, it said to them who are under the law, why? That every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty. Before who? Before God. <laughs> oh, this is exciting to me. I know it may not be exciting to everybody, but this is, this is exciting to me. So here he is. I believe Paul probably went over this record and understood this so he could put this in Romans. He said, you know what? They use the law to accuse her, but they missed the whole purpose of the law. And Jesus taught them that the purpose of the law is to shut your mouth. That's why he stooped on the ground, because he enjoyed the silence. <laughs> and he knew, this is revelation for him, he knew that all had sinned. All had come short of the glory of God. He knew the purpose of the law is that every mouth should be stopped and everyone comes guilty before God. So he went back to his writing. He knew there would be a little bit more than a moment of silence. He identified the purpose of the law. By the law is the knowledge of sin. That is true. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 20, Romans 3 and 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Oh, did you get that word justified? See, we talked about it in the born again experience. It means you've been cleared of all charges. But by the deeds of the law, you will not be justified before God. Because the law will say you're guilty. There's no justification in the law. Why? Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
And I want you to know, the Bible does say in another place that the law is an instrument of condemnation. And it is true, Lee, an instrument of condemnation. But we have to understand how so. By the law is the knowledge of sin, not justification for you to condemn others. No, no, let that sink in. By the law is the knowledge of sin, not the justification to condemn others. Oh, he's teaching. Because here, here, here are these teachers of the law, supposed to know the law. And he's about to teach them about the law. And they, so they use the law as an instrument of condemnation to condemn others. But that was not the purpose of the law. Oh, we have it good. We have this real good, people. Oh, we have it so good. We can always tell on somebody else. Now, you don't understand. This irritates me about teaching. Not the teaching. It's the response to the teaching. Because what we'll say is, don't do this. And somebody will say, yeah, don't do that. No, I'm talking about you. You don't need to do that. I'm talking about you. Why are you so worried about them? You need to shut your mouth. By the law is the knowledge of sin, not justification for you to condemn others. Because again, the good can throw the stone. But who's good? The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Good master. And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one. Oh my goodness, this is, again, this is outstanding. They don't even know, they don't recognize who they're bringing this woman to, who's teaching them about the law, and if anybody has a right to cast a stone, there is somebody there who can cast a stone, but he won't. He uses it as an opportunity to set them straight and to show God to be the redeeming God that he is. by the law is the knowledge of sin not justification for you to condemn others everybody has fallen short so neither is it neither is the law justification for others to condemn you amen He's teaching the accusers and he's teaching, teaching the guilty. But when you look at it, they're all guilty. So by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is an instrument of condemnation, but it's not justification for you to condemn others. And it's not con- justification for others to condemn you by the law. The law is to bring you to the light of your problem. Do you hear me? See, this is personal. It is to bring you to the light of your problem. This is what is called conviction. No, you, you, I don't think people really understand that. Here's what we do. We do not associate the issues of our life with our relationship with God. 
and the law comes and says, you know what your problem really is? No, 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 it's, it's not him. It's not her. It's not the employer. It's not your boss. It's not the government. It's not the society. It's where you stand with God, you're lost. That's called conviction. See, when it's God, here's, here's, here's the lovely thing about it. This is one of the, the remarkable things about coming to service, is when you haven't told anybody about the issues of your life, the problems you have, the things you're doing that God says you ought not to do, and he talks as if he had a private conversation with you. It is the law coming to you, letting you know this is not for you to bang on somebody else's head. This is not for somebody to bang it on your head. This is for you to get it. I'm calling out to you. Here's the thing about conviction. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to end this tonight and I won't get a chance to get to this, but, but there's a teaching that I wanted to do to make sure that you understood. In order to be restored, one thing that you must come face to face with is the inconvenient truth of your problem. I'm sorry, I said your problem. The inconvenient truth of your sin. Let me tell you about the adulterer and the adulteress. You know, it's all good while nobody knows. And you think you can hide it. And as long as you hide it, you'll never get to have to face the inconvenient truth that you are an adulterer or adulteress. How about that? You never have to come to that honest truth. And when somebody actually tells you, when God has already dealt with you about it, you just don't like that someone told you, but you knew it was true. And this is why we don't have the man here, but I'm telling you, the man is missing out. Because as long as the man has it under wraps, he thinks he's okay. And he will not come face to face with the inconvenient truth of his sin, of who he is. We who understand the, the record of Jacob, who wrestled with God all night, had to come face to face with the inconvenient truth if he wanted true change. You have to come face to face with what you're guilty of. And not only what you're guilty of, but you keep going back to it because you're bound. And you tried and you tried and you tried. You've read books. You've listened to tapes, and you have, been, you have not been able to find how to break out. What happens is when God brings to you that inconvenient truth, it's Him locating you. In other words, you were lost, and now He's saying you've been found. Now, again, this is why we looked at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had to respond. He had to embrace it with his heart, and then he had to respond, and he responded. How long will you delay? Always thinking that we have time. That's why I, 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 this is why I love when Jesus told Zacchaeus, make haste. And then it said, Zacchaeus made haste. He recognized the value of the time that was before him, the opportunity that was before him. What we do is we let service end being convicted, and then we let the conviction wear off when God was ready to change your life. 
God was ready to bring you to a reconciled relationship with Him. God was ready to take all the weight off. Bring you peace that you had not known. Joy that passes all understanding. Let you stand in His grace. Where He does all the work. And you get all the benefits. Makes you more than a conqueror. We get mad at the preachers. Or at our friend who we told our secrets to. When God knows it anyway. Like I told you, Zacchaeus didn't have to climb a sycamore tree. Jesus located him a long time ago. So by the law is the knowledge of sin. Not justification for you to condemn others. Neither is it justification for anyone to condemn you. It's to bring you to the light of your problem. And this is a warning to those of you who try to be holier than everybody else. And you ought to be holy. (laughs) But you being holy doesn't give you a right to go and beat others because of their sin. I'm holy, you're not, you heathen, you nasty thing, you. Because remember, if you hold the law high, you're boasting in the law. But if you boast in the law, you have to keep all the law. Amen. You know, everyone says, I'm a winner. Yeah, but you lost before. You can't boast in being a winner when someone has a win on you. So if you're going to boast in the law about how, how, uh, look at what I do. Yeah, but if you're guilty of any of it, you lost the right to boast. And it's not only after you know the law either. Well, I've done it since I've known the law. Well, yeah, but what about before you knew it was the law? It was still the law then. And to tell you the truth, even after you knew it was the law, you still sin. <laughs> Amen. In any case, all men fail. Because your works are revealed by the law. You know what the law reveals? That your works are no good to God. It reveals that you have nothing to offer God. Wow. Think about that, people. Why would a God who's so holy, who's right, who's righteous, there's no sin in him, why would he want to have anything to do with us? See, redemption is more than just the price being paid. It's the reason why. It's hard to imagine that in the midst of your craziness and your foolishness, that God loves you. Again, remember, do not confuse it. There's a difference in how he feels about the acts and how he feels about the actor. Because in our minds, when we think about man and his, his love, man will be through with us. But God's not. What does the law then bring me to? It brings me to the awareness and the recognition that I am lost without a Savior. 
That's the simple truth. Brings me to the recognition. And so when you come to service and, and you feel, and, and the chair gets a little bit hot, and you start to squirm and feel like you've got to use the restroom, no, 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 it's the law showing you you. You're thinking about what others are thinking about you when the law is not about anybody else, it's about you. And it's going to show you that your works are not acceptable before God. It's going to show you even your good days is not good enough. All it's showing you is that you're lost without a Savior. John chapter 8, verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. I like how, I know it's in italics, but it's the right phrase to put there, by their own conscience. He left them to themselves. <laughs> Which means they weren't discussing, well, I wonder if this sin, do you know I did this? Do you think he means this? No, 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 because they knew what they had done. And the law was bringing them to the knowledge of their sin. And they couldn't use it against their brother. Their brother couldn't use it against them. They had to come face to face with the inconvenient truth of what's been going on in their lives. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even to the last. Now I love that. See that's a teaching in itself. You see because there is there's a pride that is in children. And I say children I mean you're not mature. But when it when the rubber meets the road, you know, you know, you know, you're just like everybody else. No, no, you didn't get that. See, because a lot of the children are like, no, I won't do like so-and-so. In the end, you're going to find out you're going to be just like everybody else without God. That is, if you don't stay with God. How many times have those who are in the children's ministry say, we're not going to be like those teenagers we're not going to be like those young adults run off and do this and do that. And then they grow up and they do this and they do that. This is why I tell you, I, I don't care if your mama or your daddy has been born again for 88 years. You need to be born again yourself. Because without it, I like how Jesus said it. When they told him about these groups that had come against some, some ghastly and some dastardly ends. He said, do you think these were chief sinners above everybody else? He said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You all have the same end. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. Because again, remember, who can cast the first stone? Who has the righteous standing? Jesus does. So he really could, you know, I, I can cast a stone right now. Because I have a legal right and I have the righteous standing. But God's a redeeming God. See, I, I want to put you in, your, in the shoes of this lady who's guilty. She's guilty. There's no question. She's guilty. And there she is. She's standing before the one who can judge her. And she's finding out right now, God, you're a redeeming God. Keep your ribbon there. 
John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The accusers wanted justice when it came to her case. This is why we had all that preliminary that we talked about, that redemption is of God. It's not on man's standard. See, because man condemns based on standards he himself will not keep. They would have had no issue stoning her without true revelation that the law was telling them they're just as guilty as she. So they wanted justice when it came to her case. They wanted God to overlook their case. Like we said last time, though no one has the goods to bring before a court in this earth of what you've done, your sin still counts. So here she is before the one that can stone her. And he's not stoning her. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Such a simple message. And yet so profound to them who are in the midst of their lost condition. Of their bondage where they think they cannot get out. When they think, even God doesn't care about me. See, in your troubles, that's not the time to run away from Him. That's the time to run to Him. What would have happened if they had not brought her before the Lord? In his presence. Hallelujah. There's the fullness of joy. See, don't run away from him. Run to him. Zacchaeus had his press, but Jesus still saw him. The woman had her accusers, but Jesus had the last word. Back to John chapter 8. Verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So here it is. He has the right. He has the legal standing. But he's not condemning. Why? Because God is in Christ. Repairing the relationship. Restoring. You know, when he says, go and sin no more, what he's saying is, this is not what you were meant to be. It's not what God created you for. To sleep with somebody who isn't even yours. Who doesn't love you enough to make you their own. That's lost. That's not what God intended. And you can't tell me you feel good about it. But just as you stand to accuse someone else, remember, just because no one seems to accuse you doesn't mean your sin doesn't count. No, 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 you're not hearing me. Uh, Yeah, we're not calling your name. I like how Minister Hastings had said it. Her name is not mentioned. Yeah, we're not calling your name either. But your sin still counts. And, and, And here Jesus is. He's standing at the ready to start the reconciling process. To start the restoring process. But as long as you deny that inconvenient truth, you'll stay lost. You'll stay in that condition. Here's the thing about it. You know, some people just don't like to go to the doctors. Why? 
Because they don't want the truth. Even though the doctor has the help that they need. You know, people boast about, well, I never went to the doctor until my last day. Well, you know, you may have lived longer if you'd gone a little bit earlier. But she didn't want to face the inconvenient truth that maybe this is wrong and it needs to be dealt with. So we're not calling your name. Your name isn't written in the scriptures. We're not calling you by name. But God has located you. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like, like Zacchaeus? Make haste. Receive the Lord. Believe on Him that He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is your life. Or are you just going to stay the way you are and say, no, no, I'm lost and I like it where I am. Doesn't sound too bright. But it's so easy. This is why I love it. Again, this scripture is just, it, it just will not stop ministering to me. All things are of God. He did it all. He did all the work. He did all the preparation. He put it together. He put it on a silver platter. And he, all he's doing is say, receive. Yeah, yeah, God, but I don't have to do, no, no, you don't have to do anything because you don't have any. See, the law reveals to you that your works aren't good enough for God. So how am I going to have that bridge gapped? That's why redemption is a person. Jesus is the bridge. See, the accusers made a big mistake. We said it last time. They caught him on the wrong day. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of His grace. This is the day when the born again... I wish I could explain it some more. But this is the day that the born again experience is open to the world. If you believe. If you embrace it with your heart, it's open to you. This is not the day of judgment. But the day of judgment is coming. I won't lie to you. You know, when people start ministering stuff like this, they call them fire and brimstone preachers. No, they're truth teachers. There's a day of judgment coming. Meaning that there's a day when this experience will no longer be able to be experienced. And you will be stuck in whatever decision you made. Make haste. See, these accusers wanted judgment or so they thought, but considering their condition, they would have been convicted in the same court they wanted to convict her in. Instead of accusing, they should have been confessing and repenting. Boy, it makes me want to go places. Oh, you kind of want the teachers, I say teachers, I mean teachers of the scriptures. Those who handle the Word of God to take heed. Because yeah, they think that they're for some reason above the law, but your sin still counts. And while you're sitting up here telling other people not to sin, are you guilty? Isn't that the lesson here with the scribes and the Pharisees? They're the teachers. They sent Moses a seat. And just like, yeah, give them respect, but don't, don't imitate them. When God brings that conviction, 
Here's what you should do with the conviction. Repent. Repent. Here's what I say. I'm not even speaking to those who aren't born again. I talk to you who are born again, who are in the midst of sin right now. Repent. You know what repenting is? Repenting is turning your heart to God. Which means that there has to be a break from that which you are loving right now. There has to be a separation that you can return to your first love. Which means you have to fall in love with Him all over again. Now for this woman, I bet you the embarrassment was something else, but it's better to be embarrassed and then set at liberty to never be embarrassed and then to stay in the bondage that causes so much trouble. Oh, yeah. Please, please hear me. Please understand this. See, your embarrassment might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Again, makes you come face to face with an inconvenient truth, but that is a thing that has been keeping you down. And all God wants to do, wow, that scripture just, I got to read it. You don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah, to me, it's like a love letter to me. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Wow. That's all he wants to do. He wants to wash you. Clean you thoroughly. So that you're no longer bound to the thing you can't escape from. And here's what I love about it as well. And there's so much more to talk about, but we're going to close this out. Here's one of the things I love about it. This episode in particular, notice what he gives her the opportunity to to do. She can do whatever she wants to with it. He didn't say, you owe me, because I let you go. I'm telling you, God's love is greater than grandmama's. It's greater. See, because what we'll do is we'll get mad if we do something good for somebody and they don't come back and say thank you. All right, let me do something as good to you. Jesus wasn't worried about that. Here's why. Here's why. Here's one of the things we have to understand. We said it earlier in the teaching, maybe not tonight, but previously in other weeks gone by. God doesn't want you enslaved to him by force. He wants you to come of your own free will. How good that is. (laughs) Now what she does with it is on her. And if she takes it and she is set at liberty, you know what she owes this to? She owes it to the love of God. That's all she owes it to. Not because she had done anything because again, remember, who deserves this? Who deserves this mercy? Who deserves this grace? Who deserves to be set free, set at liberty from the penalty that is rightfully yours because the wages of sin is death, but the gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, what she does with it is her. Now, now, to, if she has been convicted like this 
He says, go and sin no more because that is really the, the source of her problems. And God is not down with sin. I, I want you to understand that because people will say, God loves me. Yeah, you know, he loves you, but he doesn't love your sin. And he can't have you and the sin together. It's not, a, it's not that kind of party. It's not that kind of party. But if she goes and says, you know, gets with old boy again, calls him up, tries to, well, we need to have Bible study together. No, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. Now, she's going to have to make a conscious choice to separate herself from the things. Because here's the reality of it, people. Once you're born again, you, you don't become a superhuman. You know what I mean by that? You don't, you don't rise above temptation suddenly. You learn to stay away from that thing that floats your boat. Why? Why would I do that? Because I found another love. I found something better than the sex. I found a relationship with him who will never leave me. Who will never forsake me. Who's cleaned me up in the inside. Who's cleared me of all charges. Who's made me whole. Who's relieved me from the guilt and shame of all the things that I've done. So if she had changed from this point on, she owes it all to the love of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. We're out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.